This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. It's a team that really protects the inside of the ice, so it was hard to get there. Um, that's, that's a team that plays a playoff style, and uh, it, it was complicated for us to create offense. Pascal Vincent, uh, former uh, assistant coach of the Winnipeg Jets, head coach of the Manitoba Moose, now coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, praising the team that he uh, used to be on the bench for, um, who took it to the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. Uh, a colossal victory for the Winnipeg Jets, not in terms of points in the standing, still two important points, uh, but to the degree of... I don't want to sit here, Jim, and suggest that a team in the National Hockey League stopped trying halfway through the second period. But I saw a team really that was that was behind the eight ball, no doubt about it, decided they were going to let them their foot off the gas, and the game was well over by that point. Uh, not not an impressive showcase of the Columbus Blue Jackets and their talents last night, and uh, and they caught a Winnipeg Jets team that was a little slow. You know, we, we talked about that uh, road trip, coming back, mentor, dad's trip, you know, long trip back, big success. Easy to kind of slow down in that game. How did you see things, Jim? I thought that game last night played out exactly like if you were looking at this matchup on paper and given the parameters of both teams and their schedules the past two weeks and stuff played out exactly how you would say it would. For once, um, they didn't have to play that game. And what I mean by that is is looking at the matchup, I thought they would pound them. I thought they would score about five or six goals. I thought Connor Hellebuck had a great chance to shut this team out, and I thought the Jets would start slow, given the fact that they've started this seven-game winning streak in 11 days at home. The next day went to Minnesota, came back that night. The next day hosted Tampa Bay. The next day got on a plane and went to California. Played two games, got on a plane, went to Arizona, got on a plane, came home, had a day off, and then faced the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. Mm-hmm. Seven straight wins is always impressive. Seven straight wins with two travels to California, Arizona, and well, three travels and Minnesota and back is even more impressive. But I, well, I, I thought they started the way they 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 were going to given the parameters of their schedule. That's their seventh win in eleven days with yeah. travel. Yeah, San Jose and Anaheim are, you know, almost seven hours apart by car, too. That's not a, it's not like you're just driving down the road. Yeah, and that, like, so it's a flight. And I'm not saying, oh, it's at, we, at West Coast, East Coast, all that. But over the years, when schedule has come up, everybody says it's not an excuse, blah, 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 blah. It's not an excuse. Every team travels. But don't tell me that that doesn't weigh in to how a team is playing. Mm-hmm. You're tired, you're fatigued. You add in that the dads are around. And I'm telling you right now, the last thing you're going to do, like the last thing I do when my dad's here is exactly what I do every other day. Yeah. I'm like, would well, you want to do something? Do you want to go somewhere? Do you want to, you know, should we, they golf? They like the, the golf is a prime example. We all think that when they go to California, Arizona, the golf clubs come out in January. There's actually about maybe six or seven guys that do that. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are like, I don't feel like it. And I'm a little banged up or, and I'm just going to do this or whatever. But so I just think the game played out exactly how I thought it would for the first time. Like I am a big proponent of that's why you got to play the game. Cause you never know. Last night was, we kind of knew 
Uh, they started slow, then they came out and they did this. The other thing is, is I don't know you're going to talk about Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, was Johnny Gaudreau in the city last night? Didn't have a shot on goal. Um, I think I saw him with the puck once. So th- Pascal Vincent is right. I thought a lot of what the Columbus Blue Jackets didn't get done last night was because of how well the Jets played defensively. Yes. But also, you got to be kidding me. That I, I know that there's no Boone Jenner and there's no Patrick Line and stuff. But then I expect you to be all over the ice and, and at least look like you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Invisible he, at $9 million. He needs to elevate himself, and he was a complete no-show during that game. Fantilli, I thought, was the best player on the ice for Well, that. he had an impact. Like Johnny doesn't he have tried. To, Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau doesn't have to go out there and, and score a hat trick. He's got to have an impact on the game. He's got to be a leader out there. He's got to go out there and, you know, and I got to play this clip because this was from, uh, this was from head coach Rick bonus yesterday. Adam Lowry gets two assists and here is Rick bonus talking about Lowry and his leadership and also being a part of that, about that power play goal. Adam was great on the bench tonight because he sensed that, okay, we're not, we're not having our A game for a couple of shifts here. And, uh, he, he was getting after the guys, and, but more importantly, he went on the ice and he did it. He, he chased that puck down the ice and he took away the strong side exit on their, on that goal. So he does so many little things that what we see and hear in, in the locker room and on the bench that, uh, listen, he's a great guy. He's a great captain. He's doing a phenomenal job for us. Now, Johnny Gaudreau doesn't, uh, doesn't come across as a raw, raw guy, but there's got to be a little bit of lead by example there, Jim. He's got to go I, out I there. So. He's got to go out there, and he's got to dig. You know, um, this team, and I and I look at Columbus. They are so different without Boone Jenner in the lineup. Um, that guy's the, their most valuable player. Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about trade bait was as we kind of go along here. Where that list is, who are the guys that are looking to be available? The Flames and and, and the Habs are two teams where a lot of names are coming up. Uh, there's not many names on Columbus that other teams want. And the other, the only guy that potentially, and when we spoke to um, a Bob McGilligan, who's the radio play-by-play voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets, he really didn't seem to think that there was many players on that team that other teams would want come training camp. I mean, come the trade deadline, other than Boone Jenner, who the the Blue Jackets can't afford to get rid of. He's their most valuable player. Great players elevate the players they're playing with. So, like Johnny Goudreau is a really good player. When he's oh, yeah. playing with good players. Oh, yeah. I have yet to see Johnny Goudreau make another player better. I I kind of thought this about Patrick Laine a bit during his time here. I've now seen Patrick Laine in Columbus. He he can make some, some but he needs help, right? Mm-hmm. So my point to this is, is he's not the guy to, to make it. The other part of this, this organization is the good Branson deal coming off a good season in Calgary. He was retiring before Calgary signed him. Nobody wanted him. Daryl Sutter said, that's my kind of guy. The story is legendary. He's like, nobody will sign me. Daryl Sutter goes, you're my kind of guy. An old school, 20-year-old, 20 years past defenseman style. Brings him in. He has an outstanding season. And Columbus opens up the vault. Good Branson's a $2 million defenseman. He's not four over five years. They just, I I don't know. Like, and, And to be honest with you, I really like and respect John Davidson. And I, I really like their GM too, but they just made mistake after mistake. Yeah. And the biggest problem they did with the line A and the Goudreau was it didn't afford them the wherewithal to keep Oliver Bjorgstedt. Yeah. They have no centers now. 
If they had Boone Jenner, Bjornstead, and Fantilli down the middle, they have a future. I, I, Bjornstead's yeah. an all-star in Seattle this year, and you had to let him go because of the cap. Yeah, I mean, I look at, and you know, I'm going to bring Kevin Chevalier off into a situation again like this. He was involved in the trade to get bring Pierre-Luc Dubois here and send Patrick Lyon and Jack Roslevic um, to the Columbus to the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Columbus Blue Jackets at that time should have been aware, looking at their roster, the guys coming up, that they needed to fill that role and replace Pierre-Luc Dubois with a center. They decided that they wanted to pull the plug, get the situation over with quickly. A player like Patrick Lanning was available. The Jets needed a centerman, and they made that trade. That was a big mistake for Columbus. Well, they, it was they, unless you keep Bjorkstead, but the signing of Liney didn't allow you well, to keep Bjorkstead. No, they needed to have a Goudreau. they needed to have a center. They should have been more yes. patient with him. Let PLD if he wants to if he's not going to play, let him sit for months while you wait for a deal to come. But why why rush into it? And they needed to they needed to. Well, they thought Jack Roslevic, right? They thought Jack uh, Roslevic, yeah. local kid. We're going to sell some tickets. Uh, that's a good point. And he's going to pan out as a center. Yeah, that's a good. point. I think he's playing the wing, isn't he? Or he's third line center. Well, I just was, and, and look, I'm not bashing the players. What yeah, I'm bashing is, is you have to sort of have a little in. Like we sit here and talk about players all the time and think we know. GMs have to know. Yeah, and and you need Oliver Bjornstead on this roster. I, I want to talk about um, Jack Roslovic because I was reading a piece in the Winnipeg Sun by Paul Friesen, and, um, and it was about Jack Roslovic um, talking about the Jets, and he was quoted as saying, "It's impressive." Saw Chevy, Kevin Sheveldayoff, uh, general manager of the Jets. He was smiling ear to ear. Not surprised with those players they still have. And it's really cool to see. It's almost sad to say that you could have, that you could have been a part of it, Roslevic said. And you see what they've done. It's just cool to be able to watch from afar. Is that not, and, and look, I think players are young. Then I think players mature. And then I think players get it. And it sounds like Jack Rosvick's getting it. Let's all keep in mind, Jack wanted out. Yes, he did. Jack asked for a trade, and now it sounds like Jack would like a trade back. <laughs> and Jack would be happy playing on this third line. Yeah, maybe and Jack it would be so bad in Winnipeg. And no disrespect to Mason Appleton, but Jack would be really good on that third line. Yeah. He would bring a ton of skill to that third line and make the team even better because Appleton is having a really good year but does yeah. not have the skill set of Jack Rosvick. But he wanted out, right? Yep. And I remember telling stories about this when people go, oh, the Jets are ruining Jack Rosovic. And I'm like, can you imagine Jack Rosovic was in the top six for five weeks at a time due to injury. And he was in the top six the next year for six weeks at a time. And he couldn't do anything. That's when Jack needed to realize I'm either going to be a really good third line player or I got to get better at a bunch of stuff. And he didn't. He went in and knocked on the door and said, I want out. And I say this to this day. I can't imagine Paul Maurice. At the time, going, okay, Jack, how can we? Oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay, well, we'll see what we can do. Have a good day. When, what do you think he wanted to say? Why don't you learn to play D? Why don't you learn to check? And then we'll move you off the third line. And when you are in the top six for six weeks at a time, why don't you score a little bit? And I'm not, it just, it's interesting that he said that, right? Yes. Because I think that Line might in a year or two go, he would be the number one right winger on this team right now. All he had to do was have some patience. He would be the number one right winger when Blake Wheeler's time had run out. Yep. Blake Wheeler's time ran out probably last year. He's gone this year. Patrick Liney would be with Shifley and Kyle Connor right now. 
Well, when Connor gets healthy. Yeah. Well, how would the Winnipeg Jets and how good have they been? Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. I want to talk about the power play. This is more about Columbus than the Red Hot Jets. No, well, (laughs) but it's, listen, the Jets rocked them. They absolutely crushed them yesterday. When was the last time, and I'm being serious, that like Vancouver, New York played the other night. And Boston. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And Boston and Colorado on the same night, the top two, yeah. the three, and, four, and, five, and, and I 16. Didn't, I didn't sit there and go, they're going to go to three, a four, shootout, five. and this is the way it's going to. I didn't yeah. say that Vancouver will take it to New York. I wanted to watch. Last night played out exactly how I thought it would. We talked a lot of Columbus. Let's We're going to talk power play when we come back. Has it turned a corner? What goal sort of set the stage for where things are going? Is it improving? We'll talk about that uh, as well. How good have the Jets been? Well, I'll rattle off. Some of those stats uh, when we get back. Talk a lot of Columbus. We'll talk some Winnipeg Jets because they are dominant. First place in the league. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Yeah, we'll, we'll play that Ryakovic uh, audio before we're done here. That's that's just too much gold. You got to run that, and we'll talk about some efficiency. And accurate. That's, yeah. That is atrocious in a basketball game to be that lopsided. Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, at, uh, right after 1245. We won't... Uh, we won't miss that as well. Just coming up after uh, sports, we'll, we'll, we'll I'll unleash you with a, ra- a rally of stats. Uh, we'll roll through some stats about how good the Winnipeg Jets are uh, as well. And has, has the power play turned a corner? All that still to come. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Great game from Cole Perfetti yesterday as the Winnipeg Jets hammer the Columbus Blue Jackets 5-zip. Uh, two goals, first time in his career to do that, and an assist. Hey, uh, quickly, um, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I just, I just thought of this. I wanted to get your opinion. Like, so we, like the Leafs' top five players are fifty-four million next year. Yeah, the Jets' top five are thirty-six. It's less a than half number. of the cap. Less than half the cap, and they have a goal. And the the thing I love about it being thirty-six is not just the thirty-six, but there's a defenseman in there and a goalie. Mm-hmm. It's not four forwards. And yeah. a defenseman like yeah. Morgan Riley gets two wingers, seven point five. Josh Norrissey, Morrissey's making six. But the fact that this your top five paid players are a goalie, a defenseman, and three forwards, whereas the Leafs are are four forwards and a D man and no goalie. But so the Jets have some space and, and stuff, and the cap's going to go up. It's probably going to have to go to Cole Perfetti. Mm. Like it's going up three or four million. Cole Perfetti's going to go from an ELC probably to a bridge deal. I think yep. of three and a half to four over two to three years. Yep, something like that. Is, is Similar, that what he gets? Because he's Bellardi's at twenty. Getting, yeah, something like that. Yes, yeah. yeah. He's at twenty nine points in forty games with fourteen goals. Unless you want to handle him like Jack Hughes or anybody on the Senators. Like you want to, you want to just like a Tim Stutzla and just lock, lock him into eight. That's and, what I'm saying. Now, Josh Morrissey, they didn't, they didn't have the room. So they said, Josh, hang with us. Here's a two year bridge. You're yeah. going to go from an ELC to, to $3 million, three plus. Yeah. And then even before that deal was done, they upped him. Yeah. Because they could pay him after it. Yeah. Why? So that conversation yeah. of the bridge isn't, I know it's a two year bridge. It's not, we're going to talk to you in two years. It's a two-year bridge, and in a year, we just need to get that second year on the books in the cap. Yeah. And then in three years, we'll give it to you, but we'll give it to you in a year, but we need to manage that. But Perfetti, 40, 29 points in 40 games, so fast forward 82, he's probably a 60-point guy. Yeah. And he's going to need a raise. That's going to go up. Yeah. Um, it's it's a different situation than like Gabe Velarde in coming out of his ELC uh, because he kind of needed to have games. He needed to get games. He needed to get points. Yeah. Right, A bridge deal was... 
was a real good move for him. But Perfetti, it's interesting, and we'll, this will be something we'll get into, I'm sure, as the as the season goes on. Uh, how you want to handle him? I mean, is it is it a bridge situation? It depends on. Uh, you know, the Winnipeg Jets, who they kind of have a history of doing this. They might think that, hey, we have a big window here to win. We're first place in the league. You know, uh, maybe we want to keep him uh, at around four million for the next couple of years. And then we can take that other four million bucks, tuck it in our pocket and maybe we can make that work for us. So this is what I'm asking you. Yeah. Mark Shifley did this. Mark Shifley was a 60 point guy when he signed for forty eight million dollars, six million per. That do was do, a heck of a contract. Do you do that with Cole? Do you say, we could bridge you for two years, and then you might get seven or eight two years from now? Or, if you like it here and we love you, do you, do you want 30, $36, 42000000 million over the next five years? Tough to say no. I mean, well, I, it yeah. would, and I, I usually go, if I'm the player, this is me, Jim Toth. Yeah. I'll wait. I'm going to cash in. I believe in myself. I'm de- if, and then I hear that and I go, I mean, it's, it's Josh Morrissey said when he signed his deal, it's like, you know, there's this, there's that, there's this, but I like it here. Mm-hmm. It's close to Calgary. They believe in me and off the record, blah, blah, blah. It's $50 million. <laughs> Oh. Like that's lost in all of this, right? Yep. Like it's at the end of the day. So if if Cole Perfetti, maybe you do want. To, I I would lock him up. I would too. If the opportunity, I would go. Just, let's I would talk five six. Let's and then with the idea you're going to go five. You're going to go six and a half. The problem is is what the next two years look for the cap, and that's what I think Kevin Chevaldeoff does real well. Josh Morrissey was always going to get what he got, but they needed that year or two to fit in with all the other contracts. I wonder if they do the same. If they need to, they could do the same with Cole and then lock him up, or they could just lock him up. See, Cole right now is a winger, and he might be next year too. But I, I have a, I would be very surprised if he eventually does not move to center. Maybe next yeah, year. Yeah, and I think due to the cap, because you have Demello and Dylan. So what you want to do with that until the Hainolas, like the Sandbergs, are regulars, mm-hmm. Chisholm or whoever, you you've got to keep one of those two guys. So I think that cap wise, you. You use your yeah. cap going up on Perfetti at three or four for two years. Man. But if you have the room, I would sit down with him and do the Shifley and go, do you want $36 million over five years? Talk about the toughest decision of the offseason. Brendan Dillon has been awesome. Yes. Dylan DeMello has been awesome. Well, the whole real, D has been awesome. The whole D has been that, awesome. That is a tough decision, what you're going to do there, because you're going to bring in guys with ELC and – if this team is gonna is gonna maintain first place, they're gonna be right up. It's, there's gonna be a big crunch. What do you do? Nate and Schmidt's if, playing really well now. He's been good. This is five point nine. Nate Schmidt, I get it. Like could play really well next year as well as he is right now. Yeah. But five nine's a tough pill. But it's a tough one. Yeah. It, between Demello, Dylan, and Schmidt, I that's tough to bring if, back. If he's playing because he's playing so well with Sandberg, if he continues on where he is right now. The problem is it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. That's that's the situation. But well, you don't I mean, have a guy who plays like he doesn't play the right side. That's another. That's a, he. You know Schmidt plays on the right side. We've been through that's this valuable. before. Everybody wanted to keep Andrew Cop, but Andrew Cop's the the cap. Andrew Cop. Every team has one guy that isn't the top guy, and he's not the bottom guy. The guy in the middle that you want to keep, the Nita rider or so. You just the cap. You know who's a right shot defenseman, Jim? Who? The brother of the Tasmanian Devil, Chris Tanev of the Calgary Flames. He's a yes. right shot D man. And you know what? Those Tanevs, 
They're gamers, man. All those guys are those guys gamers. set the tone. <laughs> they set the tone. <laughs> set the tone. I was just wondering that today. If you watch Shorzy, set the tone. That's right. You didn't set the tone. <laughs> Bring in Tanev. He will set the tone. <laughs> He's gonna come in and set the tone. But here's the thing: like Tanev is essentially Brendan Dillon. But he's on the right side. That's right. So the problem I'm, is, is I, Tanev I is Chris. looking at another six. Easy. Yeah, I'm, Easy. Yeah. So could you get Dylan for five? Four and a half? That's right. But Chris, man, those, I like those Tanevs. I think most people like the Tanevs. I love the Tanevs. <laughs> so do I. I. I love Chris Tanev. You know what they do, Jim? They play the game the right way. And they set the tone. I mean, and I'm, I'm having fun with it, but I. They, they do set the tone. Why has he not been traded yet? Because every team at the deadline is going to go. That's exactly right. And some of them at the deadline oh. are going to go. I want him now, but I want him to sign. That's a guy you want to bring on. Like for like, the, he might be the most valuable piece because the Chris Tanev is huge at the deadline. Man, remember Holy. two years ago when I said he should round. be up for the Norris? Yeah, because he only he only had like seventeen points. He's not a goal, but his defensive play. That was the year the Flames had a hundred and some points, and Goudreau and, He's outstanding, and yeah. to Chuck was. I if the if the Norris Trophy was about defense, he would be in the top five every year. He so, sets the tone. We're talking about the Winnipeg Jets, how good they've been. Well, let me just rattle off some stats. Uh, holding on to top spot in the NHL, they're twenty seven nine and four. Uh, they are undefeated against the Eastern Conference at eleven zero and three. They have not lost in regulation to the East yet. Uh, well, of course, won 7-0, and tying a franchise record from March 26th to April 8th back in 2017. Uh, they notched their 20th win of the season when leading after two periods. Extended the team's point streak to 13 games, continuing that franchise record, 11-0-2 over that stretch. Marked the 30th straight game of holding the opponents to three or fewer goals. And as the calendar sort of ticks away, Jim... I mean, we could take a look at who the Jets are coming up against, but that's, I mean, the Minnesota Wild were the ones who held, who hold that record, correct? Yeah, it was 2015-16, I think. It was yeah. 35 games in a row. They had the opponent to three goals or less. Yeah, and uh, another uh, held the opponent to two or fewer goals over the last 10 straight. Um, and well, that's what's lost in this 30 game of three goals or less, is I think 24 or 25 of them are two goals or less. Yeah, yeah, there's a big, big chunk. Two of them are shutouts. Yeah. Uh, take a look at the power play and the penalty kill. And I, I looked at it after Christmas because I think it's sort of a transitionary period. Uh, the, it continued to struggle over those first four games back. Minnesota, they got one in that second game in St. Paul. Um, but we're sort of uh, picking up where they left off. And then Gabe Velarde scores against San Jose. And over the last four games, and I know it's against San Jose, Anaheim, Arizona, and Columbus. Um but over this, over these last four games here, three for nine, thirty-three point three three percent, and nine for nine on the penalty kill at one hundred percent here. Since Velarde got that goal against San Jose, which Rick Bonus at the time said was his favorite power play of the entire season, um, it seems like there's a little bit more confidence. They're moving. <laughs> was, they're moving the puck. That's a great quote, by the way. Oh, that's my favorite power play. I <laughs> won. <laughs> Yeah, look, this is historic. And and we did this, you and I, on this show when we were talking about the Bombers after they won the Grey Cup and it was their second season um, after the, the pause. And they were, they were like rolling again. They had maybe two losses and they were heading towards the playoffs. 
And I had my rant about, like, I've been here since 2005, but Winnipeg sports fans, as you know, your whole life is always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Exactly. And I understand that. I understand that about this Jets team, too. But I'll say what I said in year two of the Bombers on their way to their second straight Grey Cup that I'll say to Jets fans right now on the air. You need to start enjoying this. Mm -hmm. This is historic. You've been through enough. We've never talked about great five-on-five play. We've never talked about a great defensive Winnipeg Jets team since they came from Atlanta. You need to start enjoying this. This is a historic run they are on. They are in first place in the National Hockey League, probably going to be for over a week now. Is it going to last in first? I don't know. Injuries, whatever. It's a tough thing to do. And they can't do the next 40-some games like this. It's going to eventually, they're going to have another losing streak in them, Mm -hmm. maybe three games, but you have to start enjoying this. Mm -hmm. I, I really think you do because this is historic. I don't know, even going further forward, when you're going to have another time where we're talking about 30 games of three goals or less, outstanding five on five play, seven game win streak, like tomorrow against Chicago. I'm not trying to jinx them, but I expect them to break that record and make it eight straight wins. Yeah. They've already set a record for points. Well, Connor Bedard is not on the line. If he's going to be out 68 weeks uh, with a uh, uh, he had surgery on a broken jaw. Now that being said, he's the only one in Chicago. People will go, "That's the Jets we're wearing. They yeah. should have crushed that team." There they are. But last night's a prime example. We talked about it last year. Columbus came in and rolled them. Yeah, and it was the worst game I think I've seen the Jets play, and they yeah. just didn't have it that night. That's yeah. what I. Oh, they don't have it tonight. It's, it's not going to go their way. Last night they started slow. Seventh game in eleven, day, but then they found like it's a different. You need to start enjoying this because this yeah. is different than anything I've ever seen covering the Jets. They're getting goals from everywhere too. Um, you know, Gabe Velarde gets a you know a goal on the power play. A, you know, Cole Perfetti. It's the depth is, is shining. Uh, the stars are scoring. You know, Mark Scheifele gets four hundred assists last night. You see night. how happy they are for each other. That is something that maybe we need to talk about. Like is, when when Dylan scores or some or Nate Schmidt got that goal in California, it was the and, most excited I'd ever seen Ehlers when Dylan scored. Yeah, he would jumped up and down. His arms were, you know, he was signaling a touchdown. Yeah, he was thrilled, and you know things are good. Like listen, it's uh, it's it's fun. Like honestly, I mean, you talk about it being fun for the fans and the people watching right now. Um, and and starting to, you know, not worrying about this and not worrying about that, but just looking at, you know, being able to, at this point, talk about trade deadline acquisitions or who would fit with the Jets. That's It's yeah. kind of a privilege. And we do have point. a texter saying, what what do you do at the deadline, Dylan and, and DeMello? I'm, I'm telling you right now, they're in this position where even if those guys walk in free agency and you get nothing for them, that's what's going to happen. Oh, no, you you're keep not them. You're not oh moving God, no. either of those guys. And I don't, I don't think... I could be wrong. I don't think there's an extension coming for them in season. Mm-hmm. I think they've done what they can do with extensions and they need to get through the season and see where it goes. I could be wrong on that. Kevin Chevaldeoff right now could be like, if you want four million per and three million per for four years, we'll do it. And they might be going, that's I can and they could get more. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying that those guys are here. They're not gonna move them. Um, I think those are the. This is the kind of team and season that you risk losing those guys for nothing just to keep the the team together. Yeah, no, we talk about the log jam at defense. That stuff has to figure itself out a little bit more. And unfortunately, you know, Dylan Demello, you know, uh, Brandon Dillon, they're just kind of the guys that had their contracts ending this year. But, and that's but just the, the situation. The it flip is. side of that is, this is also the kind of season that guys are willing to stay for. 
Oh, yeah. Like Brendan Dillon, I think, is looking at three years and $5 million per out on the open market. I think DeMello's looking at at least four, four and a half for three or four years on the open market. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of seasons that, like Niederreiter. Remember when I said Niederreiter? I'm like, you're the only guy in Canada who doesn't want to race. <laughs> and he's like, I've been to free agency. And I know what it's like when they say we want you and then they sign somebody else big ticket and go, sorry, it didn't fit, and now you're scrambling. Yeah. This is also the kind of season that you could go into prior to July 1st and go, you know what, I like it here. I'll take the $4 million over three or whatever. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Uh, there's perhaps one of the – you know what? We'll look back on this, and you can't say it now, but we might look back in 10 years' time and say that was one of the best post-game rants that there's ever been. 10 years? I'm still doing the playoffs. <laughs> well, that's, we're going to use this for decades. Well, that's the best. That's the best. Nothing's ever going to top playoffs. Let playoffs. It, let us know, and we won't show up. We'll have the details. I just want to win a game. Playoffs? Darko Ryakovich with the Raptors. He went off yesterday. We'll play that when we get back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. What is the state of officiating across not just the National Hockey League, the NBA, MLB, CFL, NFL? Um, Well, the coach for the Toronto Raptors, Darko Ryakovich, uh, yesterday went off following a one 32 to 131 loss uh, to the LA Lakers. Now this number was skewed a little bit uh, because of the Raptors um, uh, fouling on purpose at the end of the game. But when you have uh, 23 free throws in a fourth quarter to two, it causes some people to turn their heads. It was the biggest discrepancy all season in the NBA and Darko was not too happy about it. Thank you, Doug. That's, that's, that's outrageous. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in the, in the fourth quarter. Like, how to play the game. I, all, I understand uh, respect for all-stars and all of that, but we have star players on our team as well. How's possible is Scotty Barnes, who is all-star caliber player in this league, he goes every single time to the rim with force and trying to get, get uh, to, to the rim without flopping and, and not trying to get foul calls. He gets two uh, free throws for the whole game. How is that possible? How are you going to explain that, that, that to me? They had to win tonight? If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. Darko Ryakovich going on there, Toronto uh, head coach of the Toronto Raptors. Jim. He's right. There is a massive issue with officiating in all levels of pro sports, but basketball especially. Well, and I'll say the NHL. I mean, Connor McDavid talked last night, a 15-minute review of an offside last night in the Chicago-Edmonton game. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. With technology the way we have it. But last night, I was watching that game while I listened to the post-game show, and then when DT and the crew were done on 680C, Joe B, I turned it off and, and was watching. It was a f- the loss, and it was a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was a great basketball game. That's what kept me glued so late was into the third quarter. It's like lead changes in the 50s going back and forth, and then this happened. So here's what I equate this to for anybody who's not a basketball fan. There's an NHL officiating crew in a period calling nine hooking calls on one team and one on the other one. So you've established that this is what hooking is. This is what we're calling it, but only one team is doing it. Yeah. So that's what I saw going on in the fourth quarter. You're driving to the hoop. 
And if anybody's even glanced at it, it's a foul against the Raptors. But if it's not, and I mean, it, that's asinine. That determined the game. Yeah. I think he's bang on. Yep. It's it's nice to see some passion. Just tell us too. this, because the game was, through three quarters, one of the best basketball games I've seen all year. And then the fourth quarter happens, I'm like, this is over. 13, 14, 15, 16 foul shots. Toronto Jim, has one. Jim told to take you all the way till 3 o'clock. Thank you very I'm much. I'm just getting going. Thank you very much. And LeBron James was flopping all over the court. Oh, he flops. Don't even mention LeBron in Jordan's and, era. And Anthony Davis says, Thank you for Dennis Rodman oh, needs God, a break. All over the place. I need a break. <laughs> he needs a break. Uh, Jeffrey Fortune, thanks for producing the show. Jim told to take you all the way to 3 o'clock. That's it for me back. Same down, Morrill. See ya. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.